You're listening to Curious Conversations About Sex, and my name is Rog. This show was brought to you by Curious Creatures. We run a variety of sexuality workshops in Australia. Please bear in mind that not all conversations will be suitable for younger people. Also bear in mind that while we can discuss general concepts, you're the only person that is an expert on being you, so you can't take this as personal advice. If you've got questions you'd like us to answer, or you want to find out more about us, look us up at curiouscreatures.biz. Today's question is about sex and ageing. Specifically, the listener asks, I noticed my orgasm potential dropping off over time. What's sex like for older people? To help me answer this question, I've brought in Dr. Linda Kirkman, who's very much a specialist in the field of sexuality and ageing. She's also a counsellor, sex therapist and sexuality educator who works with clients in central Victoria and Melbourne in Australia or all over the world via Skype. Uh, But uh, more about that later. So, Linda, welcome to the show. And uh, what's your take um, overall on uh, what happens as one ages? What are your thoughts on this question? Hi, Rog. Thank you for having me. I really like this question. One of the things I like about it is the fact that the person is assuming that sex and ageing go together because there is, for some people, a default attitude that that ageing and sexuality are not a combination. Yeah, there's almost like a cutoff where you stop being seen as a sexual object or something, do you mean? Well, there's some, even like, like all, this, all the government sexual health policy cuts out yeah. once people turn 30 because it's actually about reproductive health. They don't – they're right, okay. not – it, unless, unless you're, a, you're um, a, a man who has sex with men. Mm. Yes, yeah, so they're just not interested. And, well, um, yeah. and, and even just getting older people included in sexuality research is a bit of an interesting challenge. Uh, but, yes, yeah, so it's great that people are asking great. what's yep. sex like for older people. Um, and I noticed also that the question doesn't say whether there's, there's, no, there's no gender attached to the question, which is, which is no. great because I'm going to address yeah. it just generally. Because... Oh, you know how much we like a bit of gender neutrality on this oh, show, boy. Linda. Oh, boy, indeed, yes. <laughs> oh, girl, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the really, the, a very short response, my orgasm's, potentials dropping over time yeah people's capacity to have orgasm does um can change as with aging because our bodies change as we age uh, if it's a person with a penis then certainly the ref- what's called the refractory period will extend the refractory period is the time it takes when you when you can come and then when you can get it up and come again yeah so that's pretty normal that there'll be a um a uh potential for orgasm to drop as people age because of that. Yeah, because there is that sense that when you're, uh, say, uh, for some teenagers, you can almost just, uh, as a as a cock owner, you can almost just ejaculate and then ejaculate and then ejaculate. But sometime between there and the age of, say, I don't know, 100, uh, yeah, that, <laughs> that, that, that tails off a little bit. It, yeah, so it might be, it, it, it may not be more than once a day for some people or even people who might be more content with only once a week or... So it, it'll it, and obviously that'll vary with individuals. Although having said that, practice makes perfect. So if the, it's it, the, the use it or lose it principle applies to your um, parts of your anatomy that you ha- give you orgasms. So you've got to keep the nerve endings alive and functioning and wanting yeah. wanting to be there. And and your your pleasure pathways. So it's it's a fitness yeah. like any other. And yeah, yeah. Definitely. If, if, you, if you want to keep it, practice it. 
Yes. And if you don't mm. have and, – and that, that includes obviously practice with a partner or practice by yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. And, in fact, if you, if you have a partner you don't see very often or who's not interested in, in sexual activity as often as you are, then keep it, keeping it going with regular masturbation is another really great strategy. Love it. Great. Yeah. So, so body, bodies change over time. Like some of this relates to body change. Um, are, are there other particular uh, – I guess we're leaning on the physiological side. Are there other physiological changes to the body that you think are worth a mention? Yes. I'm pleased you haven't moved on to psychological because I wanted no. to say more about physiological. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Talk away. Yeah. So, um, Get physical. <laughs> with people with vulvas – the the elasticity changes as 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 particularly as someone is is who had periods has periods they stop and comes part goes through menopause, then the hormonal system is different and the hormones you get are different. Uh, that doesn't mean you have to necessarily use uh, replacement or external hormones, although some people do. But again, it's part of the use it or lose it. So what's it's a hideous phrase, vaginal atrophy mm. happens yeah. if, wow. if there's no activity. In it, and I'm using the vagina as the correct term as the internal between the space between your outside and your, uter- and your cervix. Um, yes, but... On, I just, sorry to interrupt. I just hate the... Um, Sex negativity of language sometimes. Like it's very hard to feel good about, say, atrophy. Or, atrophy, or to, that sounds no or, fun at all. Or, 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 yeah, no. Or to use another word that people often use around such matters, dysfunction, when mm. so much it's just function. It's just like normal mm. anyway. Or variety and function. So yeah, divers- a, a bit of interesting technical stuff. If, if you – the what, what a vagina – what a, uh, a, a premenopausal uh, fertile or younger – person's vagina is like it's all folded up they're called rugae so it's, if you imagine a, a piece of fabric that's oh, little pleated little folds that's that's what it, that's what the a younger vagina is like but the, yeah. the rugae thin out when you get older so it becomes effectively less stretchy yeah and so okay. that's so that's an important aspect to remember again t- um, keeping that elasticity with with regular use, if that's what you want. Obviously, not everybody wants penetration, and for some older people with vulvas and vaginas, they're happy for the penetration part of their sex life to end. But that yeah. doesn't mean that their sex life has to end. So it's yeah. really about courses for courses. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about this more, but, but uh, yeah, one of the opportunities uh, with a with a body that doesn't want to do exactly what you thought it might do is try any of the six billion other sexual activities that are out there. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm sure we're going to I'm sure we're going to get to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so, just to check, when you're talking about elasticity in those folds, are you talking about the muscles around the uh, entrance uh, no. to the vagina, or are you talking about the I'm vaginal talking passage about right inside? Right, so sort of between the entrance up to the cervix. Exactly. Yep. Great. Yep. So rugae, R U G A E, and good they're to be all specific, folded up, and then they, but okay, they yep. thin out, and they become fewer. There are fewer folds. Yep. And for um, people with penises, well, certainly, um, and depending on the overall health of the person too, because if you, if if erectile function is important to you. And for a lot of people with penises, it's really important, not everybody, but I understand there's a whole psychological component there. If your heart health isn't good, then you may discover that your erection isn't as good either. So that's actually a really useful early warning sign that you may have a heart problem 
if you can't if you can't get an erection and worth going wow. to get that checked out. Interesting barometer. Yep. So yes, I like the barometer analogy. That fits yeah. quite well with the rising and falling. <laughs> but but uh, but with with older penis owners, then um, it's not un- unusual for the penis to be less hard, just generally, yes. and probably becoming erect, be interested in erections less often, and corresponding difference in orgasm potential but that doesn't mean that you've lost your sensuality potential or your human connection potential or your erotic sensual pleasure potential it's just again with as you say there's 50 squillion other ways of having pleasure and it doesn't all have to involve penises and holes to stick them in yeah gracious no yes yeah so but what's that yeah uh so and the other thing is that's physiological that also is a segue to the psychological is we're not – people who are older aren't quite as um, conventionally attractive as – I'm not saying they're not as attractive. I'm just talking about social stereotypes about attractiveness. Yeah. They're yeah. not quite so pertinent and, and taut and toned and all that kind of thing. So body yeah. – so it, it, understanding that um, – there's a whole th- body image element there that's psychological about your own sense of yourself as an attractive and desirable person. The, the further, uh, I mean, we have such a pronounced strong bell curve around what we find sexually attractive. Uh, I, I was going to say in this culture, but I think this is true across most cultures. And youth is so highly valued. But any time you start to meander away from the dead square of that bell curve of what's meant to be attractive, you find yourself coming up against this. And yeah, I, I, yeah, age is one that happens to all of us one way or another, I guess. Well, you hope so. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, but that's that's not insurmountable. In fact, really, what's what's interesting is that for for some people with who have who have gone through menopause, that's a huge sexual liberation. Pregnancy is no longer a risk. So, because for a lot of people who have the potential to get pregnant, any kind of particularly penetrative sex um, comes with it the implication of um, anxiety about pregnancy, particularly if pregnancy is not one of the goals. Most of the yeah. time when people have sexual activity, they're not planning babies. It's really interesting how sex yeah. ed is so focused on babies, but really that's not, that's not yeah. why people do it. And uh, let, let's, let's just have a big shout-out to our non-hetero listeners. Um, Linda and I both recognise mm. that uh, we're meandering, meandering over into some territory that sort of looks a little bit hetero, um, but uh, yeah, trust us, we, we, <laughs> we're we not. have you in mind. Definitely. <laughs> we're not. <Definitely> not. <laughs> Yeah. No, we're not. Yep. It does. Thank you for that. That's good to bring that bring it bring that to awareness. And some people who've always had one kind of relationship in their life may in fact stop and think, actually, I think I like something different and not necessarily go for whatever um configuration of gender that they were work they were playing with in the past. So that's another thing. Yeah, that, right. Okay. Um yeah. Yeah. nice. Yeah. So what am I thinking? So with, with so the body physiological. image, so, so with physiological, yeah. physiological. Anything else I want to uh, add? Body image. Mm. Can I ask? Do you feel uh, like the orgasm curve in particular, and, and the body's abilities? So when one gets aroused and builds towards orgasm, um, all sorts of um, uh, biological functions happen within the body around hormone levels and uh, levels of arousal and excitement and upregulation and so forth. Um, do you think there's much in the way of physical? Phys- 
physiological differences to our capacity for heightened peak arousal states? I think it goes back to training, goes back to your expectations. The capacity, the capacity for intense pleasure is still there. And it is there, it may be, depending on what kind of pleasure the person has had over their lifetime, they may choose to uh, explore their sexuality in a different way as they're older and and discover potential that they didn't know about earlier. So, yeah. but it probably, it will take longer. Yep. So definitely, yep. def- yep. uh, um, the, the build-up uh, and arousal, and even just the whole, I think that's in, any the sensual encounter that two people or however many people have together tends to be longer when people are older for a number of reasons, partly because there's less pressure, partly because the the things do this, the physiological, it can take longer, not necessarily. I mean, if you have a really powerful vibrator, then you make it off quite quickly. But yeah. um, and, and there is definitely, like as with all things, you know, there's pluses and minuses. Um, as you as you hinted at just then, one of the pluses of um, the aging process, I guess, is there can be less pressures around things like work and kids and whatever else. Mm-hmm. So potentially you've got the time to um, be much more indulgent hedonistic sluts. Absolutely. But what, what I alluded to before saying people have stopped to think about what they really want, my, I, I, for my PhD I looked at baby boomers in friends with benefits relationships and some of the people I interviewed mm. had, over the course of their life, had defaulted to very heteronormative um, expectations of, are they, I mean, they might have they might have been quite sexually free in the sixties and seventies with that sexual revolution, but then settled down, had kids, kind of defaulted to fairly, to kind of standard hetero um, monogamous setup, and then yeah. when those relationships ended for whatever reason, or or just when they worked kind of thought through with partners, decided discovered that they actually didn't want what they had before, and just taking the time to 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 think. Who am I? What turns me on? What kind of relationship do I want? And and then act have the confidence and assertiveness that comes with life experience to say, right, I'm not going to do that thing that I did in the past anymore. I'm going to explore something different because I can. Yeah. That was a, that's yeah. a huge liberation. Yeah, yeah. So that's not yeah. about orgasm. I mean, that's the bigger picture no. of fitting it into: Do I want to live with someone? Do I want a partner? Do I want several partners? Do I want that partner? What kind of sex or gender do I am I interested in? in the yeah, partner? yeah. Um, and so this is one of those things where potentially a change in one's body um, sort of forces a rethink, but from that process uh, potentially lots of good things happen Uh, it's from disturbances in our normal regular everyday way of life that um, more interesting things evolve Mm. Mm. Um, so I think you were perhaps going to say some more things about the psychological side of aging and sex well I was just thinking I I did talk about a little bit about body image but but I did uh, Mm. for for, as I said for some people the the lack of risk of fertility is in fact a huge liberation mm. so the the psychological yeah, thing yeah. about a sense of freedom means that they yeah. can uh, give in or it just really relax and enjoy sex the people i talked to are having the best sex of their lives in their 50s and 60s so mm, that's something to yes. look forward to quite a few people yes. said best sex ever oh wow which is nice yeah and they and yeah. they were a mix of I think a third of them wound up with non-monogamous relationships. Some 
in, in various different forms, and some were same-sex, some were hetero, well, really a real variety. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, so yeah, so I had a few thoughts um, on the topic, and I, um, I, I'm definitely taking my, my thoughts with a grain of salt. I, I'm not a specialist in this area. Uh, my, my experience and perspective comes from working with um, uh, older people through workshops and coaching and sex work. Um, and my observations are just that, uh, yeah, there seems to be a line uh, on the other side of which is um, a, a lot more around shame. Um, that, yeah, as you're saying, Linda, older people are not um, treated as sex objects. And in this case, I mean that as the, in the best possible way. Like there's, a, there's an incredible value in being seen as a sex object in our culture. It actually makes sex a much more um, default, fluid and easy uh, or more accessible for, for, for many of us. And the, the further you are away from that norm of what a sex object is, the harder that journey is. Mm. And it, yeah, it seems to me, I don't know what it is, whether it's 50 or 60 or where the line is, I guess it's going to vary a lot from person to person, but it seems to me, yeah, there's a line and after that, you, you're back into the territory of feeling like sex is often presented as a sort of a naughty, secret, mm. sordid, shameful thing. Um, and I hope it's obvious that I hate that whole concept and process. Um, so, yeah, there's that and consequently probably some loneliness and some undergrounding of sexual activities. And I know there's been some stuff that um, it's quite hard to reach out to uh, the ageing population in regards to uh, safer sex and sex education stuff because there's um, it's just there's, there's, yeah, there's a fair bit of shame and undergrounding around things. That's, that's some of the work that I do is um, sex education around ageing and sexuality and, because it's, cause it's, it's really exciting. That, mm, that there's, mm. But you've got to frame it correctly. One, when I, I remember seeing a, a newspaper headline from the UK, um, sex education for the over 60s cancelled for lack of interest. But if you're going to call it <laughs> sex education, well, that's, that's really offensive. That's what you say if you're doing it in, when you're in year eight, not when you're, when you're yeah. over 60. But, okay. it, but, it's yeah. a, but if you frame it in a way that's like you're someone who's got life experience and, and some agency and you want to build on that and learn more, then that's a really different way of approaching it. But, yeah. but it, yeah. I think it depends who, who, who does it and how like – any, like any kind of health promotion or education, it, it's, got, it's just a lot on the skills and the approach of the person preparing and, and delivering it. It's an interesting statement about uh, programs that are designed for a particular target audience. And often if the target audience doesn't turn up, it's, it's said that the, the audience is just not interested or not being proactive or doesn't care to take up the service. Mm. But so often it's a, it's a reflection on the um, failure of the program design to uh, be, be pitched in a way that makes sense to its target audience. Anyway, well, interesting yeah, side Yeah, note. I did a, a workshop this week. On, uh, for adults on talking to kids about sex in a country town in rural Victoria. And the, the person who organised it had worked part-time at a, at a Catholic primary school and was not allowed to promote it to the parents at the school because it had the word sex in it. So, you know, they've got the gatekeepers are stopping, even, stopping the information getting out. Yeah. yeah. yeah so that's, yeah. there's a lot, whole lot of agendas and how and how... Or, or why people don't turn up. I guess in a in a smaller community too, there's that awkwardness, the potential social judgment about uh, shame around um, about just being interested in sex, yeah. almost as being judged yeah, be, for that. Be, yeah, being seen to have an interest. Mm. Yeah, 
Um, I think I think the other point I, I wanted to make was um, I feel like uh, we're all very underprepared for the shock. Um, so if if you're a um, th- that bodies change basically. So I guess if you're a cock owner, that cocks tend to uh, uh, not get hard or not get hard as as much as they did, etc. And if you're a vulva owner. Uh, vagina owner that they uh, don't so much do what what you're familiar with them doing so we seem to be very underprepared for that um and i think um this is a reason so moving into well, not, i don't want to say solutions but but strategies and interventions i think this is all a really good idea to get to know the entirety of your body and your soul, psychology um, better at an earlier age and it's also one of the reasons why things like kink and bdsm and tantric practices uh, are worth exploring because they give you options and diversity and range and it's not just a strategy for when your body starts to change and no longer does the things that you rely on or used to um it's it's a strategy that even if you've got a body that still works uh the the way you would hope uh it's just going to turn a good sex life into a great sex life so i'm all about diversity and finds other way find other ways to connect and that there's a a sense that uh, we're back in the heterosexual territory here but there's a sense that penis in vagina sex uh is the be all and end all and the most intimate act um f- from a kink or a bdsm perspective perspective you've just got to look at that and laugh <laughs> oh indeed and and so much there are some like, way more intense things just, the, the, the if people if you say the word sex people having sex it's it's assumed that there's penetration and it's generally yeah. penis and vagina but it's so not one of the really interesting yeah. things that i think is coming out of the uh, movements towards ed, uh, workshops and education and programs around Tantra and kink and BDSM and those things, which I'm seeing them, maybe it's just because Melbourne is fabulous and there's a lot happening in Melbourne, but I'm seeing more and more of them being available, is is that people get an opportunity to develop a language that they didn't have before. So that's and so that being able to have, even just have the conversation, curious conversation, have the conversation with mm. someone and having permission to talk because it's so much um, What one of the uh, things that that seems to emerge from well, even just the workshop I do with adults on talking to kids about sex or with young people talking to each other about what they might want to connect, how they might want to connect together, is having having being out, having your words and being able to use your words and use it in a way that you're comfortable with. And that's that's a that's a skill to be developed and a confidence to be yes. developed. And 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 again, uh, <laughs> the take home message on, on our on our path towards better sex is just so much about communication yeah. and trust, yeah. and so little to do with, uh, you know, obviously mechanics. you need touch mechanics. <laughs> you need mechanics there somewhere, but God, so much of it's just communication, isn't it? One one of my uh, sexologist, writer, therapist, psychologist, sex educator people is Meg John Barker. They write erotic fiction, and one of and just in in the in a in a conversation with the with Dawn Sarah and her Explore More Summit, what Meg John said was that having if if you read something that someone has written that you find erotic and you and it turns you on, in a way you are having sex with the writer because even though the writer's mm. not in the room, you're there with their with their work. So theoretically, you could be having sex with the writer after they've died because you're reading the, the things that they wrote. 
when they obviously when yeah. they weren't dead. Yeah. So just it, the, the defining having sex is can be has just so many different potential ways mm. that we can in, that we can get pleasure and and how we interact. And, and I guess if you if you are an erotic writer and you put your stuff out there, you are. Uh, giving permission for people to read it and get pleasure from yeah, it. Yeah, you are consenting you to are, people yeah. enjoying your sex yeah. uh, when, when you when you click publish. Yeah, yeah. I love it, and I love that as an example of of just how diverse and broad sex can get. Mm. Um, I wonder, Linda, um, as we as we move towards closing, any any sort of further final thoughts uh, or specific strategies uh, on the question? I notice my orgasm potential dropping off over time. What's sex like for older people? <sighs> sex for older people is what you make it, and if it's something that's in, if if having intimate touch with yourself or with another person or engaging through erotic literature or, or visual material, then then that's that's what that's totally okay for you to to you to do. And it's a whole other world of exploration and um, you never there's no time to waste really. You might as well enjoy it and use it. And the more sensuality and pleasure you have in your life, the more enjoyable your life's going to be and the more vibrant and healthy and active you're going to be because there's a real connection between well-being and and touch. It doesn't have to be what what we might think of as necessarily genital touch, but just friendly, intimate, sensual touch with someone. So that's that's just yeah, a. So I guess all of that rant was yep. it matters. It, it matters for a number of reasons. What are the strategies? Well, listen to your podcast. Listen to other podcasts. Mm-hmm. Read books. I really recommend the American Guru of Aging and Sexuality, Joan Price, who's got some great books, um, and she's been doing webinars. Use dating websites. There's lots of a lot of people even up into their. 90s are finding partners using dating websites and discovering, you know, that again, there's no time to lose. They tend to get sexually intimate pretty quickly. <laughs> Educate yourself about the importance of safe sex. Talk to you if, if you if you are having anything where there's body fluids exchanged or so genital type sex, then then either then use barrier methods and or mm. get get to your GP and say. I'll ask. Just say I'm having sex. I'm having pen. I'm having genital contact with another person. Um, yep. Can I have an STI test, please? Because the Royal Austra- uh, College of GP, this is in Australia. The regulations, the guidelines say if you've got a new partner, that's a that's a justifies STI screening testing. So yeah, that's yeah, great. Yep. Yeah. Love it. Yep. Yep. Great thoughts. Um, and and I'm going to close on a on a random which is just that uh one of the joys of the aging process for me is getting to know myself and my psychology better and better over time and psychology is so much a part of great sex mm. so i'm of the perspective of uh, play to your strengths <laughs> play to me if it was advice to myself would like a, uh don't try and do the things i can't do don't try and live up to someone else's ideal of what sex is meant to look like or how it's portrayed on tv work instead with what i've got and the one thing you have as an aging person is a lot of knowledge and maturity and wisdom about yourself and your partner so get into some really weird interesting complex role plays or just dirty talk and um, enjoy. <laughs> I love that. Playing to your strengths. 
because because yes, you, we're we're not going to conform to the external social stereotypes. No. Just be and it's love who you are and be who you are and explore that. Yeah, and that's advice across the board. It's a little easy to ignore and shove that advice underground when you're younger, perhaps. Um, but it's advice mm. for everyone. Mm. So yeah. All right, wonderful. Um, I would like to hear a little more about you, Linda. Um, perhaps you could tell us, uh, particularly in relation, I guess, to uh, counselling and your uh, sex therapy work, um, uh, what you do and who your ideal clients are and where they can find you. Ah, I'm a registered counsellor, sex therapist, a member of the Society of Australian Sexologists. I have a PhD in, in old, older baby boomers and sex. I have a master's degree in young people and sexuality and sexual health. So I've got a, a, a broad range of experience. I'm really open to, I'm, I'm non-judgmental. I'm not fussed if you're in, if you, how many partners you have or what kind of practices you're into. I guess, uh, yeah. Um, and I use a take a mindfulness approach and strength, build on people's strengths kind of approach. I'm a, I work in Central Victoria. I live in Bendigo in Australia. I also uh, see people in Melbourne and, as you say, on Skype. Great. So the website is lindakirkman.org. Correct. Wonderful. Thank you so much for the work you do in the world, Linda, and thanks for sharing your advice on the show today. So, friends, you've been listening to Curious Conversations About Sex, brought to you by Curious Creatures. Please remember to subscribe via a podcast app if you're just listening online. Uh, I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying that there's a much, much better way to go about things. So, uh, yeah, look us up via a, a free podcast app and... Uh, Go well and enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm.